is the harbour bar and winding estuary of the two small rivers, the Avon and the Waimakariri. Far away beyond the plains are the mountains ever changing their aspect, and yet farther in over this northern sweep of sea can be seen in clear weather the beautiful snow-capped peaks of the Kaikouras. The scene is wholly enchanting and such a view from some sheltered sunny corner in a garden which blazes with masses of red and golden flowers tends to feelings of inexpressible satisfaction with all things. At night we slept in this garden under peaceful, clear skies. By day I was off to my office in Christchurch, then perhaps to the ship or the island, and so home by the mountain road over the port hills. It is a pleasant time to remember, in spite of interruptions, and it gave time for many necessary consultations with Kinsey. His interest in the expedition is wonderful, and such interest on the part of a thoroughly shrewd businessman is an asset of which I have taken full advantage. Kinsey will act as my agent in Christchurch during my absence. I have given him an ordinary power of attorney, and I think have left him in possession of all facts." His kindness to us was beyond words. Wednesday, November 30th. We are away, sliding easily and smoothly through the water, but burning coal. Eight tons in twenty-four hours, reported 8 p.m. Light breeze from northward all day, freshening towards nightfall and turning to northwest. Bright sunshine. Ship pitching with southwesterly swell, all in good spirits except one or two sick. Thursday, December the 1st. The month opens well on the whole. During the night the wind increased. We worked up to 8 to 9 and to 9.5 knots. Stiff wind from northwest and confused sea awoke to much motion. The ship a queer and not altogether cheerful sight under the circumstances. Below one knows all space is packed as tight as human skill can devise, and on deck, under the forecastle, fifteen ponies, close side by side, seven one side, eight the other, heads together and groom between, swaying, swaying continually to the plunging, irregular motion. One takes a look through a hole in the bulkhead, and sees a row of heads with sad, patient eyes come swinging up together from the starboard side, whilst those on the port swing back. Then up come the port heads, whilst the starboard recede. It seems a terrible ordeal for these poor beasts to stand this day after day for weeks together, and indeed, though they continue to feed well, the strain quickly drags down their weight and condition. But nevertheless, The trial cannot be gauged from human standards. There are horses which never lie down, and all horses can sleep standing. Anatomically, they possess a ligament in each leg which takes their weight without strain. Even our poor animals will get rest and sleep in spite of the violent motion. Some four or five tons of fodder and the ever-watchful Anton take up the remainder of the forecastle space. We left Port Chalmers with 462 tons of coal on board, rather a greater quantity than I had hoped for, and yet the load mark was three inches above the water. 
The ship was over two feet by the stern, but this will soon be remedied. Upon the coal sacks, upon and between the motor sledges and upon the ice house, are grouped the dogs, thirty-three in all. They must perforce be chained up, and they are given what shelter is afforded on deck, but their position is not enviable. The seas continually break on the weather bulwarks and scatter clouds of heavy spray over the backs of all who must venture into the waste of the ship. The dogs sit with their tails to this invading water, their coats wet and dripping. It is a pathetic attitude, deeply significant of cold and misery. Occasionally some poor beast emits a long, pathetic whine. The group forms a picture of wretched dejection. Such a life is truly hard for these poor creatures.